out there in dreamland. This is Rumors of War 1987. Thank you very much for your viewership. I'm deeply honored for every like and subscription that I get. Please leave a comment below. I will respond. It's my pleasure to be as interactive as possible. Alright, so thank you for your viewership. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Let us get into it. Today I'm going to be speaking about the issues of the moon landing hoax, the flat earth uh, society, and how it relates to the SSP and the truth of um, the SSP and disclosure, etc. And I hope everyone is having a uh, good rest and everything. You know, partaking in the manifesting of this, what you'd call uh, the Brahma dream. But if you take a look around and open your eyes to the reality of the situation, you see that nothing is really as it seems. And that the world that's provided to us, the world that we're allowed access to, that's, you know, the world that's recommended to us by the algorithm, um, the matrix algorithm, is one of um, both personal facts and um, suggestions, recommendations. And things that would, you know, engender a response for you in the spiritual war to uh, create in you, to invoke in you, uh, you know, a touch of the divine, a touch of the unknown, the mysterious, uh, the desire to seek uh, authenticity and to explore your world as a very human uh, characteristic, but it's being dulled down, it's being controlled, it's being manipulated and harnessed and exploited to serve out other agendas. Uh, it's basically the fuel that feeds the fire of those masters of the demiurge, the archon, and uh, you know your Agent Smith syndrome uh, types. Uh, but basically, the individual can realize this and can realize that his manifestations of his desires. Um, you know, are his authority to impose, to enact, but at the same time, his desires are the battlefield. His desires are the goals in this war of the spirit. And um, the masters are much more prone, to, are much more desiring to invoke a nihilism and evoke egotism and evoke narcissism. You know, the negative aspects of uh, actualization of, uh, you know, recognizing one's agency in this world, uh, pushing one to the dark side, pushing one to a um, less than desirable outcome, uh, one that will not pass the test of ascension, one that will not pass the, de uh, the, the debt of reincarnation or the test of Mott, um, and one will usually tend to uh, desire this physicalist approach, will desire this sleepwalker approach because of the responsibilities and the hardships that um, opening one's eyes incurs, that uh, taking responsibility for one's actions imposes, that um, embracing one's identity and destiny and uh, ultimate, you know, karmic fate and judgment and predestination and uh, relationship to the creator God, manifester of all reality, you know, the... Uh, you know, the truth in the Arkashic records, the genetic memory, et cetera, et cetera, is that this world has been taken from us, usurped from us, and what we're allowed access to has been the carefully tailored and, uh, and uh, promoted uh, 
advertised uh, versions of reality that are going to invoke a dissonant response, a response of aggression, a response of hostility, a response of uncommunicative, um, you know, fortress building of the soul, of uh, psychic breakdowns, of um, following the wrong authorities, uh, prioritizing the wrong things, desiring uh, inappropriate, um, you know, sensations and satisfactions for the detriment of both you with the self and society rather than um, the promotion of the self, the potential of the self to become, you know, an act, an, a force of good or a force of light, you know, a, a healer instead of a herder. And it's ultimately based on gatekeepers. It's based on the gatekeepers that control our reality and uh, the horrors that they try to create and try to instill us uh, to create, try to get us to create, like in this momentic warfare, to get us to impose a reality uh, that's very hostile to uh, life and is very uh, demanding of its creations and is very uh, nihilistic in its approach to... uh, you know, the importance of the soul, the importance of the self, and uh, wants to, you know, usurp and uh, deny the reality that is real, that has been created, you know, in opposition from the demiurge, been created, that the archon itself has to adhere to, has to listen to, has to create a balance with, has to kind of come to peace with, and terms with, and this ever... Uh, this never-ending war between, I guess you would call it, the archons of this reality and uh, the reality that God created itself is manifested in the world. It's manifested in the relationship between two or more individuals, two or more uh, species, intelligent species, two or more anything, right? And wherever you see two or more, you see usually uh, these abusive relationships, these potentials for war, these disagreements, these... Uh, exploitative relationships are the absolute uh, domination of one by the other simply to use the other simply to use uh, one as a resource uh, either to devour and uh, satiate some kind of hunger or desire or to fulfill some kind of uh, need or to allow some kind of escape from uh, responsibilities such as slave labor or uh, unmentionable, untouchable type work in the caste system of, uh, you know, cosmic things. Um, Nature, though, uh, when it chooses to uh, reinforce the matrix, will show abominations or aberrations of things, will show um, atypical formations of uh, reality, uh, enigmas, anomalies, glitches in the matrix, if you will, and reinforce the normal, reinforce the regular, uh, what you would call everyday, expected reality by showing you highly negative uh, examples of its control or its uh, its uh, responsibility and mastery for the world that you call yours, that's your very existence, uh, you know, quote-unquote, uh, requires and depends on, and you yourself are subject and uh, vulnerable to. Um, this nightmare fuel uh, is what kind of uh, keeps one from 
wanting to embrace uh, the universe for its full uh, spectrum of beings and it starts to begin to associate evil and good uh, with things like the forbidden and taboo uh, but this is like eroticism uh, it just enforces without enforcing it suggests with concealing you know it's uh, subliminal at the same time extremely overt and the terminology you know it when you see it only applies to those who have become initiated or have become experienced in the world itself so that images such as this are mysterious but at the same time the solution is very obvious it's only a matter of accepting the realities that would need to you know be responsible for these things to occur regardless of the stipulation or the circumstance or the seriousness or the um, importance it's all an action of the archon of the demiurge so uh, you have to say that enlightenment or the benevolent god the benevolent god uh, form um, is one of uh, destruction of the uh, of the matrix, destruction of the world as we know it, or uh, situations of hostilities as we know it, or dependence as we know it, or addiction as we know it, or ignorance as we know it, a revealing, a grand uh, pulling of the veil from what's presented and what's real, and of further pulling of the veil of what you have been taught and what you can learn for yourself and you know become of yourself not what's expected of you not which they have designated you um, to learn the individualities and peculiarities of something is to better understand it and uh, understand the mastery of things so that one doesn't have to rely on the legitimacy of others and one can rely on one's personal experience to think of theories which which can serve as alternatives to mainstream discourse and debate because the issues of debate can sometimes both be incorrect while the obvious solution it goes unseen because people are so heavily invested in either uh, option of a bipolar spectrum or a binary that they don't see a third option which is equally plausible and equally uh, you know, um, correct access to a situation because of the relative values and investments they put into uh, creating such a negative matrix to exist in. So that when you think of the moon ho uh, landing hoax or the flat earth society movements in relation to the SSP, it is an empire of debate that is built upon obscuring the reality of the secret space program and hidden technologies in the breakaway society with its ties to ancient history and ancient technologies and the advancements of other intelligent races provided to us through diplomacy with extraterrestrial species and um, uh, the acquiring of off-world resources as well as uh, experience and exploration into the astral realm uh, you know securing abilities uh, heretofore you know unknown or unaccepted by mainstream society and uh, allowing us certain you know attributable benefits such as off-world travel uh, 
communication with extraterrestrial species, uh, computational abilities to create technologies or engineer solutions, because that reality is too grandiose to accept that they want to get this empire of debate uh, invested in so heavily, and they've been doing it since the uh, 50s and 60s, uh, originally with the original Apollo programs and everything. They want to get this debate so ingrained into the American so social fabric, the American society, that it becomes an identifying uh, polarization, just like uh, race or ethnic identity, just like class identity, and it's going to divide the country, it's going to divide the American people, the first world people, or the people of the entire world, uh, regardless of uh, nationality, because this issue is so uh, politicized and polarized, it becomes a proxy for a willingness to accept the truth or blind loyalty to a system and to a governance and to a society. And those that are dissatisfied with society and want to rebel against society are not asking themselves the real questions, but asking themselves uh, questions that have been created for them to ask, which is, could men have landed on the moon? Did we land on the moon with the Apollo program? Is NASA correct? And it's, uh, is NASA really attempting to go to space and get land on the moon? Was NASA providing uh, CGI images of the Earth? Is the Earth, uh, for example, flat or spherical? Etc. Etc. These are all arguments that only exist to keep people looking down and not truly looking up. Because no matter what the outcome is, it's incorrect. Because the truth is much stranger than fiction and much more accurate uh, when it comes to... Uh, you first have to understand the truth of the cosmos and, and what they're really tapping into for really any of the secret space programs to make sense. I always see that on a personal level as a researcher, a lot of really reputable uh, people who have a lot of uh, really good you know, things to say, oftentimes... Uh, make it an issue of scale about which star system is uh, home to which, you know, extraterrestrial creature or which astral uh, creature and, um, you know, breaks it down to the standard formulated map that, you know, science is providing. And that is incorrect because that is getting the the map wrong. It's getting the scale wrong. You know, you at least have to have the truth of where you are. Your global positioning, you know, your galactic positioning, really. And because so many people work with an inaccurate uh, cosmic map, they begin uh, focusing on details which are ultimately irrelevant, even, and, and, you know, it becomes one of those rabbit hole things like I talked about. I was going to originally talk about how Stanley Kubrick, um, you know, had hoaxed it, and they had given him the lens, and how it was possible, and how he saw the work in 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is also an SSP disclosure film, and that he was, he's, you know, trying to make all this disclosure your attempts and his, his cinematography and stuff, but I realized the Stanley Kubrick element is also part of the rabbit hole matrix, the part of the getting, uh, getting you know, uh, involved in that quagmire of, of seeking legitimacy to uh, one's personal beliefs because yes, I do believe that uh, much like the film Capricorn 1 that it was a 
falsified moon landing with professional actors serving as uh, the stand-ins for the you know Apollo astronauts and the whole thing was a sham but I also believe that humanity's been able to go to the moon since 1935 you know uh, see that's the way I'm coming at it and the SSP how the fake moon relates to the SSP specifically in this this genre of thinking this genre of discourse of the UFO community is that regardless of how and why they did it and who was involved uh, they did it because they're trying to hide the truth about space travel and that it's done with high altitude balloons, it's done with anti-gravitational uh, craft which use um, high voltage electricity and electromagnetic manipulation to create gravity wells it uh, is done a lot with uh, mental telekinesis and it's done with uh, extraterrestrial technology which was uh, given to us due to uh, uh, advancements in nuclear technology and atomic age technology. It's done with atomic engines, nuclear powered engines, etc., etc. And yes, I can debate uh, fluently the needs for the flat earth and the firmament and, and the idea that the moon couldn't have been accessed at that time due to the, uh, you know, the low tech of the you know, Apollo space program and what they were using and, you know, the unprofessionalism of the astronauts and all that, et cetera, et cetera. But to argue that point is to give more validity and credence to systems which exist only to obfuscate and confuse to, uh, to uh, legitimize programs which themselves are completely... Um, only there to to uh, disguise the efforts of legitimate SSP programs and to uh, provide access to um, points of disclosure for technologies they become more uh, popular and prevalent and you know to basically serve as the front the uh, legitimizing you know front of a very covert and classified operation see no matter what the conspiracy theory is if it's not a conspiracy theory based in truth that ultimately is just a mastery of logic and discourse and it becomes something of a pop culture phenomenon becomes something of a counterculture phenomenon where one has to think that the UFO landing hoax is 50 years old. It is 50 years old. People have been producing work uh, and you know journalism and, and exposés and documentaries and investigations, and it's been on primetime TV. It's it's you know had its share of vocal vocal supporters and critics, and then people uh, drawing lines in the sand. But ultimately, it's all to distract from the realities of the world, the real perspectives of the world, which would revolutionize and change every individual's uh, daily life to a fundamental degree if they just realized how uh, pervasive and indoctrinating the United States uh, counterintelligence efforts are, their crone efforts are, so that they wouldn't look at their lives the same again, that there was no, never really an access to truth, there was never really an access to uh, dangerous information or information that would, you know, ultimately be leaked and uh, resort through some kind of uh, disclosure movement, uh, you know, some kind of unsafe, you know, really the truth, you know, like the really really heavy stuff, you know, that would, that would rock people's worlds. 
It's not. They have access to what they have been given, what they are allowed to have access to, what repeats the loops of behavior and psychology and uh, history, ultimately, the psychohistory of it, as uh, Isaac Asimov wrote about. And, uh, you know, ultimately recreate the matrix as they see fit. Because people's weaknesses are other people. The people's blind spots are other people. Like Superman has kryptonite. Our fear is other humans and the... I guess you would call it the, the morphability of human nature. So that human beings are our biggest fear because they're so alien to us. They're so different from us. And they make, they're, they're so challenging. They create a true sense of horror because they, you know, if you really think about it, can ultimately completely change and, you know, toss your world for a loop and, you know, crumble it down to its very foundation because your identity is based on your relationship with others and your relationship with the world, your relationship with the, uh, you know, great churning chaos. So you try to make sense of it. And you're trying to make sense of it uh, can lead to hostilities, can lead to uh, the formations of these, you know, micro wars, these little battlefields that people like to fight, losing the sense of true connection and true connectivity and true desire to want to be, you know, simply happy and to be simply satisfied with existing with the truth with you know the ultimate pursuit that was the truth the ultimate treat was you were hungry for the truth you were simply trying to answer questions and those those attempts to answer questions became quests and those quests became like errant crusades those errant crusades became uh, you know very Faustian packs with uh, you know external astral powers and cosmic uh, deities you know really letting that genie out of the bottle really trying to break and pierce the veil and it makes you really recognize the cosmic landscape uh, and the zodiacal like horoscope like the true power of these cosmic houses these lunar houses that that's what they don't want they don't want that they want you to seek a purely physical explanation for things they want you to seek a purely like not yes you hungered for the truth yes you thirsted for knowledge but you found knowledge you found the truth in this one answer to your mystery and the mystery is not solved you know by any kind of evidence that you can find it's all you know refuted by other people but it's in the debate it's in the 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 conquest of others and the conversion of others that you are allowed to exercise your need for war your need for violence your need for uh, hostility to define yourself and define a people that you belong to and define a sense of where you know you belong and a sense of the world that you find superior to others so that this is why also the flat earth is being spoken about a lot this is why it's uh, based because people are crazy because people are really obsessive and uh, extremists when they come to ideals they will become excessively extreme about many many different things and basically devote their lives to the pursuit of these things and what greater way to uh, get someone in a thought loop, a tractarian loop, a philosophical loop of constant search and discovery you know, a holy grail than to try to you know, fit the world in their palm to see something not as a quest for a reckoning of uh, what is almost like a godlike knowledge and insight on either side, on the side of uh, scientific rationalism 
and on the side of uh, you know alternative uh, theorizing you know I guess we call it the flat earth society you know the people who think that alternative realities could exist that there are explanations of extreme strangeness that could be applied sanely to this insane situation that we're in and that one has to think of things uh, in perspective to create uh, basically original and, and uh, accurate presumptions of things because you, people are being lost in the reflection that they find in these concepts they are seeing themselves in these ideals they are seeing themselves and finding their identity in what others have created very few people who have uh, moon landing hoax theories or flat earth theories create these own theories, do their own math, do their own research. They allow themselves to follow the opinions and thoughts of others. And each one of these others is trying to get you not to see the truth, not to see your own divine wisdom, not to see your own ability to think and to critically, you know, discover, to do, to explore, to uh, objectively think to consider, to evaluate, to um, gain enough experience within a, a, a you know bearable amount of time, a survivable amount of time, so that the mystery of the world is lost. But you discover the fantastic nature of it, the fantastic reality of it, the spiritual ecstasy of it. That revelation occurs, and it's replaces fear it replaces that hostility that that need for battle that need for triumph that need for victory so that you're not arguing you're understanding you're cooperating you're learning from others and you're gaining the knowledge that they have you're acquiring it and completing the worldview you're 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 accepting the answer that you've asked of God, which was to supply you of wisdom and knowledge. You knocked on the door. He is now coming to the door and opening it. And it's up to you not to fight it. It's up to you not to try to uh, build your world where only the door can remain closed. It's not for you to give allegiances to other lords and masters on this earth, to follow false idols, and to swear oaths and to form brotherhoods with men of this earth, men who keep mysteries, men who keep secrets, men who perform in secrecy, men who perform covert actions and clandestine deeds with cosmic powers, not for your sake, but for the sakes of others who remain in the secrecy themselves, even more secret than the last. And these, these, this inverted pyramid of secrecy becomes a mystery school for initiation where the truth is the reward for dedication and loyalty, for violence and ruthlessness, and for remorselessness and mercilessness. But the truth is there. You can access the truth now without having to sell your soul, without having to basically become an initiate. You just have to knock on the door of the right Lord, the, the correct Lord, the Lord of the world, Lord of this universe, Lord of all universes. You have to knock on that door and see his writing, even in the hoaxes, even in the, uh, the illusion, even in the falsification, even in the Panama, in the theater, 
because it, the ad, the atoms of the universe themselves, the atoms of the very world themselves, the atoms of the very liars themselves, and the energies they use to lie to you, the very breath they use, the very sound waves that their voice creates to use to lie to you is the handwork of God. You can see the fingerprints of God in the very energy that they are using to create this illusion, to create the ultimate illusion, which is that the world is a giant mystery. The world can never be learned, can never be understood, can never be mastered. Because it can be, and it already has been. All truth has already been revealed to mankind. But all mankind lives under a great delusion where truth is spoken but not heard because everyone focuses on the material. And if you made it this far, I thank you very much. And I'm going to let this video play. And there's a few videos to play that will explain the true cosmology and the truth of the universe. So that one may see the truth and not be lost in the in countless arguments that distract and imprison man in a debate that the Matrix wants you to have. So without further ado, I'm just going to let it go. Presentations like this one, actually. And especially I was inspired initially by Sadhaputapapu and his book, Sacred Universe. Because, yes, we should try to find correlations between Vedic and modern astronomy and also explore similarities within other world cultures. A big take goes there. Sadhaputapapu has put us uh, four models here. I think it's a very practical way forward, too. And, for example, the Pranisphere model has a lot to support it, even culturally. For example, the 14th century astrolabe in the Geneva Museum of History and Science. Let's have a closer look at it. Note that the inscriptions are in Sanskrit. So there's a lot of historical and cultural evidence to support one of the models there. Sadaputa's comparison between the geocentric solar system and Brumandala in the fifth canto are also quite undeniable. Here's a geocentric solar system in four-dimensional phase space. This is showing the geocentric movements there of Venus. This is Mars, showing all the planets' movements in one go. This is incorporating all the inner planets and, in fact, in also um, Jupiter and Saturn there. Now, isn't that incredible? When you think about it, can you actually deny the comparison here? Is it a coincidence, the fact that the, um, the distances correspond? Sadaputa Prabhu um, calculates it's over 10,000 at least to one against. And drawing our attention to the edge of Galoka Vash, we find the geocentric orbit of Uranus. And yet William Herschel in the West didn't discover Uranus until 1781, and yet its existence was in fact encoded in the Puranas for so much before that. I also wanted to touch on uh, Sadaputapu's book, Vedic Cosmography and Astronomy, particularly in the chapter on the Surya Sadanta. After all, uh, from Antetwipapu's paper, a fascinating paper on the TOVP Chandelier model, he writes, The universe can be seen in divergent ways according to central prowess of those who are viewing. He also says, It is foolish to reject any Vedic descriptions because they do not appear to be the same as other portions of the Vedic corpus. The Puranas give an extensive description of the earth as Bhumandala. In contrast to this, the Jyoti Veda texts describe the earth as Bhugola. 
brings us on to distances of the planets from the sun, according to the Siddhanta. And of course, I refer again to Satipata's book. Yes, the astronomical units, AU, correspond between the Siddhanta and the modern calculations with all the planets in the solar system, like this. Looking even at the diameters of the planets, again, if we use the process of trigonometry, we can actually find the diameters of the various planets of the solar system according to the Siddhanta. And again, there's a lot in common, a lot of accuracy between that and the modern astronomy. For example, here's Mars. Here's Saturn. That's not coincidental. It's very important, of course, indeed, to touch on the extensive works of Danivega Swami. Yes, a devotee's ultimate authority is the broad Vedic tradition, and especially the Srimad Bhavatam, that must take priority over the modern empirical paradigm, which is based on our very limited five senses, absolutely. Antadrip Prabhu um, supports that. He writes, It is not reasonable for us to reject Vedic descriptions of the world simply because they do not agree with our experience. Indeed, what we call reality is only our brain's attempt to process mundane data supplied from our five senses. That's how we experience the world. And it's like a prison for us, and anything we send out into space, in a sense, is also in a prison if it's based as an extension of our five senses. Of course, the Vedic universe, the Brahmandala universe, of course, the horizontal Brahmandala there, with the higher planets going upwards, surrounded by all the elemental layers. And in the center of all that, of course, is Jambadweep and the Mount Meru. But beyond our senses, for sure. But how to reconcile the statement, the entire universe is only 4 billion miles in diameter. Bit of a sticking point, that one. Well, here's some suggestions. Firstly, we can add the layers of elemental creation that are around the Brahmandala universe. I calculate that has been just over 68,000 light years. That would take the edge of the universe there, including the ego layer, up to, well, a galactic level. Two, consider the logarithmic illustrations of the universe, like this one here. With the Earth at the center moving out towards the edge of the universe, and various increments here. But each one, each increment is representing ten times the previous. And that one is also going backwards in time in this illustration. So at least it's showing here that the universe is multidimensional and cannot be summarized simply in a physical gross space, where everything is just one time. Three, we must acknowledge that the vertical dimension of the Vedic universe is something quite other than gross physical miles. In fact, that's pretty fundamental. That brings me on to the, the work Mystic Universe by Ashish Delayda or Rishi Raj Prabhu. Yes, approach the relationship between time, space, mind and consciousness as something unphysical and hierarchical. Figurative descriptions of subtle things are no less real than gross physical objects. Absolutely. For example, in the top of um, his universe as a cosmic tree conception, Lord Brahma's at the top there, a single branch at the top, but he creates sub-creators who, of course, themselves create through time and so forth. And you end up with a cosmic tree, and I'm imposing this, of course, on the Brahmandali universe in the Bhagavatam. And at the bottom we get the Garbhadaka Ocean, which, to, to my understanding, represents an uncreated or unstable state of matter. Now some of my humble ideas and suggestions for your consideration, always, of course, a disclaimer. 
Let's look at the works of Sadaputa Prabhu, Danavika Swami, who was Andhadweep there, and Fowingo Ashnishtalela, and let's try and find out what everyone has got in common. Is there a consensus to go forward? I think we should move forward with the following understandings. The demigods experience the universe very differently to modern humans. And the universe includes both gross and subtle forms, so it cannot be fully represented in purely physical terms. That includes distances. Starting off with uh, this familiar thing, where and what is Jambadweep, as described in the fifth canto? Of course, we're familiar with Jambadweep. There's uh, Mount Meru there in the center, the Golden Mountain, surrounded by a pattern area of various mountains and rivers. Here, the left diagram is the celestial Jambadweep, as described in the fifth canto, with its various heavenly realms there. But of course, Satipupa Peru um, relates that, of course, to the mountainous areas of Asia, Central Asia. Let's try and put these two together, because we must. Prabhupada writes in the Bhagavatam, 5th Canto, 1711, Purple. Among the nine Varshas of Jambadweep, the tract of land known as Bharatvash is understood to be the field of fruitive activities. The other eight Varshas to be meant for very highly elevated, biased persons. After returning from the heavenly planets, they enjoy the remaining results of their pious activities there. In the Ramayana, Sugreev describes the many realms for the monkeys to explore to find Sita, including the celestial realms of Jambadweep. In the Mahabharata, Bhima met Hanuman in the mountains on his way to the abode of Kavera. He needed Hanuman's cooperation before accessing that region. In the Bhagavatam 5th Canto, 1613-14, on the subject of Jambadweep, it reads, The waters of the first lake taste just like milk, the water of the second like honey, and that of the third like sugarcane juice. The fourth lake is filled with pure water. Therefore, most of Jambadweep is a group of divine realms that the qualified can access via gateways somewhere within the mountainous regions of Central Asia. To advanced personalities, those realms are experienced as the part of greater Earth. Let's imagine here a rather beautiful view there of the Himalayan mountains, perhaps the yogis that find spots or gateways from which through sadhana, mantras and so forth, in their subtle body, can travel upwards, perhaps, in if, if, uh, terms of description, to access other realms. Here, for example, here's the earth, the round circle representing the mountainous regions, as described. Great personalities can actually see more than that. Perhaps, indeed, they can see great, great mountains. But here, representing the height, 80,000 miles of traveling upwards in the subtle body, by which one can access these other realms, like Kimpurush, for example, part of Jambadweep. And from there, one, if one is qualified, one can go higher still to Haribash and Ilidvash. And the high demigods can see the whole of Jambadweep simultaneously, like this, as described in the Bhagavatam. And at the top, the various mountains, the local embassies of key demigods. But what about gateways to the subterranean planets underneath Jambadweep? That's a fascinating subject. Ajadri writes in his paper, That which exists below Bumandala will also be found below Gokula. Gokula. Thus, if one could travel below the Earth globe, one would find subterranean planets. Thus, the Siddhanta states that these Patanalokas are within the Earth globe. That's a really good way forward. In that context, Meru, of course, would be the North and South Pole, so underneath there, of course, would be underneath the Earth. And one needs to go down into the Earth, but also subtly travel downwards, and in that way, one can access the lower planets. 
if one wanted to, that is. I also wanted to bring in this conception here, of course, is the Pagoda, the Earth Globe, as well, of course, the flat plane of Pumandala. Put those two models together, and we actually open up the idea that perhaps the low planets could also be accessed from other planets underneath in a, in a solar system. The vertical aspect of the universe is ultimately to do with levels and types of consciousness. For example, this vertical graph of the solar system is according to temperature and nothing to do with physical distances. For example, here, according to this graph, um, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn will be nearer to the Earth than Venus because Venus is much hotter. But it's not to do with physical distance. Here's another example. Here's mother, father, and their child. And of course, they're all physically close together. However, the mother here has a link, a mental link in this case, a maturity link, um, a mental capacity link with the teacher. So in one sense, she's closer to him from a kind of a subtle point of view. Another example, here's the Earth, Moon and Sun relationship in traditional, not to scale, but it gives us an idea. But it's not the only way of experiencing such distances. Perhaps from the point of view of the yogi with subtle vertical travel, the yogi reaches the sun before the celestial moon. Uh, consider Prabhupada's quotes in the Nectar of Devotion. A mystic yogi can enter into the sun planet simply by using the rays of the sunshine. That's a product of spiritual advancement through sadness, such as meditation and yoga. I want to briefly touch again on the universe as a cosmic tree. There's, of course, the cosmic tree there, as described by Avnish Delena. And the subtler forms are created first. The more higher you go up the tree, of course, the more subtle things actually are. But as you go through the creation process, they get grosser. And this understanding, those at the top, like Lord Brahma, can see the whole thing. But as you work through, down the branches through the creational path, things get grosser. And the living entities there cannot see above them, but they only can see what's below them. So how would that affect space exploration and our experience of it, given that we're quite low down the tree? Babsam 42969 Purport reads, The darkness occurring before the full moon can be explained as another planet known as Rahu. In other words, those who are supposed to be going to the moon are not going to the moon, but to the planet Rahu. Let's explore that a bit. The celestial Vedic white moon here, of course, is situated in the third status of the upper planetary system, according to the Bhagavatam. And here's Rahu, which is essentially a solar eclipse, but a different planet in its own right, radically speaking. Let's try and understand that. This branch here of the cosmic tree represents the physical location of the moon. However, on it there's a celestial moon, and below it, in a, in a kind of a subtle way, is the Rahu planet. As a place of grey dust and craters. But the celestial moon is experienced, of course, as a heavenly realm with kusha grass and all kinds of things like rasa drinks and so forth. However, it's a little bit experiencing like a two dimensional object with a three dimensional one. The, fl the flat liners, of course, are experiencing the lower dimension. Another way of looking at it here's the demigods there in the top left of the corner, and they have a certain vision which is different from that of the modern astronomer. The demigods, in this example, can see a three dimensional city. But the modern astronomer can only see the two-dimensional version of that same city. We see, they're both right in their own way, but the vision, the consciousness, is quite different. Relating the cosmic tree to the vertical aspect of the Vedic universe. 
Now here, of course, in physical space, the types of planets in the universe are mixed. And this is supported by quotes from Carl Pyle. However, but in the Vedic universe, they are stacked hierarchically, like represented here in this diagram. This is actually quite reminiscent here of the chakras of the human body and the spiritual progression that brings and the, and the rising of the pranic air. And even we can connect that with the Rat Sarup, the universal form of the Lord himself. I wanted to touch on heavenly planets with exotic oceans, an unavoidable subject in my view if one is studying the fifth canto. Bhavatam, seventh canto, four, seventeen purpled. Planets within the universe contain oceans of sugar cane juice, liquor, ghee, milk, and sweet water. And here are those planets. The Chaitanya Taitamrita, Majalila 20, 218. Outer space is like an ocean of air. Just as there are islands in the watery ocean, these planets in the ocean of space are called dweeps, or islands in outer space. But what about the dweeps listed as part of the inner Bumandala? like Sakadweep, uh, Pushkaradweep, Kontradweep, and so forth. Well, I suggest these heavenly planets are above the relatively flat plane of the Brumandala system, but are linked to it in some way. Let's argue for that, justifying that the dweeps, the planets, have heights above Brumandala vertically. Here's Brumandala from the top, and the traditional Mount Meru there in the center. Compare Brumandala with the Shi Yantra and the three-dimensional version of the Shiva, the Maha Meru, with Mount Meru at the top center there. So we're using the Maha Meru here as opening up the possibility of a height aspect to Bumandala. Now, Bhugoda Varanam by Sri Bhadiraj Tirtha, of course, here's an illustration from that. I got this from one of Tanavega Swami's books. Here's a kind of a sense of steps or three-dimensional version of Bumandala. The Sri Siddhanta, for example, describes Jamadripa as a stairway leading to the heavenly Mount Meru in the middle. And it's also supported um, in the Matsya Purana. Here's another illustration here in uh, one of Dhanavega Swami's books. Here's another one I found very, very interesting here, almost kind of expressing the same thing, the three-dimensional Brumandala, where there's places in Brumandala which actually have links to higher realms. There you go, perhaps indeed, these various planets within that region do have vertical identities too. To explain that a bit more, here's a graph with the uh, x-axis, the horizontal distance there, of course, and the vertical y-axis. But the vertical y-axis is representing the high dimensions of physical distance is the horizontal. There's the Earth there in the corner, and there's Venus, of course, which um, has a certain physical distance away from the Earth, quite far, few, you know, tens of millions of miles, but actually it doesn't have much of a vertical distance. And thus, it's experienced in a gross way. It's a hellishly hot place. However, other realms, perhaps equal physical distance from the Earth, but of a much higher dimensional existence, which are, in fact, heavenly planets. To go from the Earth to such a heavenly planet, one would have to travel physically, but also in a subtle, higher dimensional way. Further connecting Bumandala with sacred geometry. There's Bumandala from the top there, and there's the various directional demigods, as described, Indra, Yamaraj, Varuna, and Soma. This is reminiscent, of course, of a yantra. Bumandala also has directional features of a yantra. Compare 
Buddhist Parachakra Mandala representing the cosmos. Chi Yantra, or sometimes known as Chakra Yantra, includes nine interlocking triangles that represent the cosmos. Here is the Kormashi Yantra. And this is the same thing in three dimensions, of course, reminiscent uh, using the Mahameru concept, as Kuma carrying the universe on his back. Borobudur Buddhist Temple in uh, Java, Indonesia. Again, our friend Mount Meru there at the top center. Similar themes are running there. And of course, using the Vastu Purusha Mandala, again, bringing architecture. And for example, we look at Angkor Wat there in Cambodia. We have a temple representing the cosmos and following Vastu. Final section, the temple of the Vedic planetarium. A few humble ideas for your consideration. Looking at a floor of a temple in Tamil Nadu there, here is a mandala, a traditional floor mandala. And perhaps the Bamandala geocentric solar system could be exhibited in the TOVP on a floor level. This would be a wonderful thing to see. And apparently I found out later that's similar to Charman Amenu Dasi's um, Vedic Planetarium Immersion Experience. So this is a kind of similar thought going on here. However, with me, I think you'd have to tip Bumandala by 23 degrees. If you wanted a perpendicular Meru, or North Pole, pointed directly upwards to the Pole Star, or Trufaloka. Again, it's just a matter of perspective. Or one could actually have a horizontal Bumandala, but have it tipped in this way instead. And why not have some movement as well? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to see? The subterranean realms would be literally underneath from the visitor's experience, or even underground, like this. And as for the heavenly realms, why not add some holograms, some holographic planetarium exhibitions? Why not make it beautiful and fantastic? And what are the advantages of using holograms? Well, one can switch between perceptions within the same space. You would have a human view versus a demigod view. There would be no problem with weight or deterioration of some objects. One can update and change with less expense. And the use of latex technology will be very attractive to guests, especially the youth, in fact, but to everybody. Well, thank you for bearing with me. I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, take care now. Harry Cole. There we have Ananta speaking Bhagavatam to the four Kumaras. And above the seven subterranean planets. Here we can see Jambudweep, the central island of uh, Bumandala, and Bharat Varsha is situated on the southern side of that. Eight other Varshas with Elabrita Varsha in the center, various supporting mountains with uh, large trees upon them, described in Srimad Bhagavatam. In the very center of Elabrita Varsha is Mount Meru, Golden Mountain. Top Mount Meru are the cities of important demigods, Lord Brahma in the center, the eight Dikpalas in the cardinal directions and sub-directions. Moving out, we can see the broader Bumandala, seven concentric islands and oceans surrounding them. The seventh of these islands is Pushkaradweep. On that island is Manasutra Mountain, and on the mountain there is various cities of demigods such as Indra. Out further is Loka Loka Mountain. These large elephants stand atop Loka Loka Mountain to balance Bumandala. Outside of Loka Loka Mountain is Aloka Varsha, which is dark. The rays of the sun and the other luminaries extend up to Loka Loka Mountain. 
on Manasotra mountain here on Pushkaradweep. The sun travels above this mountain at the southernmost point of its annual orbit. Above Bumandala is Bhuvaroka, which is the residence of the Charnas, Siddhas, Yakshas, Gandharvas. And above there is Swargaloka, beginning from the sun and extending up to the pole star Druvaloka. This is the moving part of the planetary display. Here we can see the sun and the moon moving in their chariots. The chariots are being drawn by horses moving in the anti-clockwise direction. But they're traveling with the wheel of the pole star. On the ocean of milk situated there, Kiridakshaya Vishnu, who is the Paramatma within everyone's heart, he resides on Anantashesh. Moving up beyond there, we have Mahaloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka, and Satyaloka. In this video, we haven't included many of the details for there. But on Mahaloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka, we have residences of the Lord, such as Lord Varaha, Advamana, and so on. Here's Brahmaloka, and on Brahmaloka, we also have a form of the Lord, Gabbadakshaya Vishnu, as the Sahasra Shisha Purush. Beyond there is the seven coverings of the universe, earth, water, fire, etc. And outside of the universe is the abode of Lord Shiva, Shiva Loka. There he resides eternally. Beyond Shiva Loka, we come to Mahavishnu, Karana Dakshaya Vishnu, with innumerable universes that are emanating from the pores of his transcendental body. Here you can see him being served by Rama Devi. Then we come to the Brahmajyoti, the effulgence of the Lord's transcendental body. Penetrating through the Brahmajyoti, we come to the Vaikuntha planets. We're showing 24 planets of the Vaikuntha realm in this model. The Lord, with four arms, is holding the conch, disc, club, and lotus. And the various combinations of these four make 24. Then we come to Galoga Vrindavan. Here we can see Radha Madhava. I will also be showing the other primary rasas. Krishna with the cowherd boys, Krishna being served, Krishna with Mother Yashoda. So this is an overview of the planetary display to be shown in the main dome of the temple. They are classified into higher and lower realms of existence. When one thinks of the lower planes of existence, one thinks about hellish landscapes where the residents are subject to eternal torment. But is that an accurate portrayal? What really happens in the lower realms of existence, according to Hindu cosmology? Are they allegories from which we can learn something? Before we jump in, I'd like to clarify two important points. Vedanta, much like the tenets of ancient wisdom which we discuss here, considers most of these spheres of existence to be temporary and illusory. The only reality is the supreme absolute, or what we call the God energy. Remember also that the Puranas which is the source material for this video, are heavily bhakti-oriented texts. They do talk about Vedantic concepts, but there's a heavy devotional component to it. When people talk about Hindu cosmology, people usually talk about 14 worlds, lokas, divided into seven higher realms and seven lower subterranean realms of existence. Before we look at this, an interesting fact is that the Puranic texts actually talk about a host of other worlds, not just the 14. For example, the Siva Purana 
talks about the 14 worlds comprising our universe as being Brahma's worlds manifested by the creative power. The Siva Purana then goes on to talk about 14 worlds dedicated to Vishnu above these 14 worlds and then another 28 worlds beyond those 14. It then talks about the pure world of Shiva that exists beyond these 56 worlds. As fascinating as that is, we will discuss that for another day. Coming back to the 14 worlds that comprise our universe. According to the Siva Purana, the 14 worlds comprising our universe are created by Brahma, the creative power. The lower worlds are seven and the upper worlds are also seven in number. The seven higher realms start from Bhuloka, the earth, and move up to Satyaloka, which is the abode of the creator god Brahma. These worlds are inhabited by saints and other realized beings, according to the Puranas. What is really interesting is what happens in the lower worlds, the lower planes of existence, according to some of these texts. Let us take a look at two Puranic texts, the Shiva Purana and the Bhagavata Purana, to see the description of these lower worlds of existence. According to the Shiva Purana, the seven nether worlds, the lower worlds, the subterranean worlds are Atala, Vitala, Sutala, Rasathala, Tala, Talathala, and the Patala Loka. The Siva Purana describes the nether worlds in this way. The surfaces of all are grounds of gems. The palaces are full of gems and their terraces are made of gold. Narada, a saint who came to heaven from the nether region, announced in the middle of the celestial assembly that the nether worlds are more beautiful than heaven. He says, There, all sorts of ornaments, lustrous jewels are present. They are delightful. What is there equal to it? He continues, The nether region is here and there brightened up by the daughters of the Daityas and the Tanavas. Even to the liberated soul, the nether region is pleasing. Which liberated soul does not like it? He goes on to say, There, during the daytime, there are no sun's rays, nor the moon's rays during the night. There is neither cold nor bright sunlight. There is only the luster of the jewels. All sorts of foodstuffs and drinks are consumed there by extremely joyous persons. The time that passes by is not known there at all. Contrary to endless pain and suffering, these worlds seem to be a heaven for those concerned with the material. The Bhagavata Purana, another ancient text, in fact, calls these lower seven lokas Viraswarga or subterranean heavens. A quick detour and people probably are wondering about this as well. A few verses did touch upon the beings that are described in these regions, Daityas, Danavas and so on and so forth. We will take a look at what these symbolize in a later video, but for now, it's essential to understand that all these beings, uh, Devas, Daityas, Danavas, Asuras, etc., that we encountered in all these books, are actually sibling races. All these are sibling races, descendants of the daughters of Daksa, who was the created son of Brahma, the creative energy. The Siva Purana actually says this, Devas, sages, demons, trees, birds, and mountain creepers, all born of the daughters of Daksa, fill the entire space between the Patala Loka to the Satya Loka, which is the 14 worlds. Every sentient being, Deva or Asura, has the potential for good and evil, Dharma and Adharma, which we will discuss later. Coming back to the Bhagavad Purana, the Bhagavad Purana calls out 
the seven subterranean regions as Atala, Vithala, Sutala, Talatala, Mahatala, Rasatala, and Patala. The ordering is slightly changed from that of the Siva Purana. The regions again are described as veritable heavens. It says, therein reside Daityas, Danavas, and serpents in extremely rich mansions, gardens, parks, and playgrounds which surpass the heavenly world in their exuberance of sensuous enjoyments, affluence, joy, and riches. They are householders whose affectionate wives, children, relatives always enjoy a delightful life. Their desires are never thwarted. They divert themselves with their skills in Maya, which is the art of creating illusions. It then goes on to say that Maya, the architect of miraculous powers, has built cities in these regions. They shine resplendent with wonderful mansions, gates, town halls, temples, big quadrangles, and houses constructed with excellent precious stones of various types. Like the Shiva Purana, the Bhagavad Purana also talks about the gardens that exceed the splendor of those in the land of gods with their glorious beauty, giving delight to mind and senses. Bhagavad Purana says, It is said that here in this netherworld no fear is noticed due to the divisions of time such as day and night. The crest jewels in the hoods of the great serpents dispel all the darkness here. In terms of the conditions of the inhabitants of this world, the Bhagavad Purana has this to say. Due to the intake of herbs, elixir, food, drinks, and bath of miraculous efficiencies, the inhabitants of these regions do not suffer from mental worries or physical ailments. They are immune from wrinkles, gray hair, and old age. Nor are they affected by bodily changes due to age, from childhood to old age. So, these are the descriptions of the seven lower realms of existence in the Hindu cosmology. They seem pretty heavenly according to our current conditioning. Now, what do we make out of this? What are the allegories for? Why are the lower realms of existence so much more spectacular than the higher realms of existence? If we look at the Lokas from the perspective of collective consciousness, we arrive at a fascinating conclusion. The ancient wisdom states that we are all deluded by the illusion of the material world, Maya. There is an internal conflict between the part of us that is attracted to the material world and the part of us that yearns for liberation. If you look at the conflict, we arrive at a conclusion. The lower worlds depict a shift towards more materialism. As you move to the lower planes of existence, you shift more towards materialism and get trapped by it. They truly are subterranean heavens for the materially inclined. However, the more one gets ensnared in the material world, the more one gets deluded by Maya and the more difficult it is to break out and attain liberation. Who is not tempted at the prospect of a relatively eternal life that you can spend with your loved ones without fear of death or disease? Who can cast it off for the search of the ultimate truth? guarantee of spending relative eternity with loved ones in paradise free of any concerns is the concept of heaven as we know it. However, that heaven would seem temporary to the seeker. A seeker would question that too, since that is not the ultimate answer. 
questions would arise. Why is this happening? What is the creative force behind this? Above all, to a true seeker, this also gets limiting. The concept of a heaven is also extremely limiting. And the true seeker, in all likelihood, would get bored real quick. The conversation in the Katopanishad comes to mind. The exchanges between Nachiketa, a young boy, and Yama, the god of death. Nachiketa asks Yama as one of the boons to explain what happens to the soul when it finally leaves the physical world. Nachiketa is not talking about the intermediate death in a cycle of birth and death. He knows that because he's dead and talking to Yama. Nachiketa asks about liberation. Yama implores Nachiketa not to ask this question. He promises him great wealth, vast kingdoms, immortal progenies, and many other material pleasures. Nachiketa responds by saying that the joys felt in the material world are illusory and imagined. They arise from objects which are falsely considered the source of joy. Nachiketa refuses all this wealth and power, declaring that the ultimate truth is what he seeks. Then Yama accedes that Nachiketa is a true seeker and he talks about the ultimate reality and the realization of the oneness with the self, the Atman, with the Brahman or the Supreme Absolute or the Oversoul or the God Energy or whatever you call it. He concludes that in finality on realizing the essential unity of being, having known the Supreme Absolute, one becomes the self of all beings. With this, I end my thoughts on the description of the netherworlds in the Dharmic cosmology, specifically Hindu cosmology. I believe that even though the subterranean realms are veritable heavens, what's being reiterated here is that the material world is illusory. The self is verily a part of the ultimate reality. An attachment to the material plane is actually detrimental in the path towards realization. As always, the known is a drop and the unknown is an ocean. Peace. And there you go. The unknown is an ocean. Peace. And there you go. And that is a tip of an iceberg that is worth discovering, that is worth exploring. And not the myriad of icebergs that are provided to you by the system because that's what the system wants that's what the system is going to use to motivate you the, the carrot at the end of the stick and there are turtles all the way down because they want you to think that's ridiculous they want you to think that is the antithesis of the truth when in reality their truth is the antithesis of the truth remember we're all in this world together this is rumors of war 1987 Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you very much for your viewership. Please like and subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you very much. Please leave a comment below. Leave suggestions on what kind of videos you want to see in the future. I am working on a number of them, but I also like your suggestions. Please, you guys, take care. Love each other. Love your neighbor as you would yourself. Fear God and follow his commandments. Thank you very much. God bless.
1987. Greetings to everybody out there in Dreamland. This is Rumors of War 1987. But thank you very much for your viewership. I am back in to speak about to you all um, now about the issues relating to the SSP and uh, the SSP phenomenon experienced around the world. Thank you for liking, subscribing, and supporting if you have already. If you haven't, uh, please consider it. And as a reward, I will credit you as either a assistant producer, an associate producer, or an executive producer, uh, given uh, the size of your contribution as a show of my appreciation, appreciation for uh, you guys allowing me to thrive, allowing me to fulfill and live my dreams of um, pursuing the paranormal, independent journalism, independent creative content creation, and ultimately uh, engaging and speaking on such matters because really I think there is no rewarding, no more rewarding and no more fascinating and engaging uh, object in one's life, no more greater mission in one's life than to uh, sacrifice and dedicate oneself to critical thinking, objectivity, and uh, enlightenment. A lot of people are associating the SSP and the SSP phenomenon with people who are wish or wishful thinking are creating uh, delusions of grandeur involving their importance to aliens, their experience with aliens, alien abduction, uh, my labs, uh, government. Um, you know, organizations and agencies, as well as uh, top secret military involvement. But at the same time, I say that there's no other avenue for communicating these ideas, for trying to communicate with the, with the world, besides um, a very select few others who are willing to accept and to listen. Um, I believe that this is the most... Uh, marginalized the most obscure of all experiences and all um, perspectives to, to uh, come to this table with to come to this community with but I believe that there needs to be a community I need to believe that we need to create that community I mean, we need to show support for each other and really uh, show some initiative to validate and to um, safeguard this community to uh, prevent disinfo agents, to prevent shills, to prevent uh, glow agents and uh, bots that paid, uh, you know, opposition from polluting uh, pre-existing forums, polluting uh, the pre-existing conventions and talks with uh, absurdity and with uh, ludicrousy so that we can be more legitimate, we can be more supportive and have more support uh, in the mainstream and to the majority at large because we are only a fraction. We are less than 1% of everyone who has been involved with this. And, um, you know, sometimes I wish I could go back and live my life uh, on its original timeline set for a life of ignorance but satisfaction, a life of uh, relative productivity, if not isolation and cultural isolation, but you know, we are born to be who we are, and what I am born to be is a little bit um, of a black sheep, a little bit of a counterculturalist, a little bit of a rebel, 
a little bit of, uh, you know, someone fascinated with macabre, fascinated with, uh, with uh, violence, with uh, the dark side. Um, ultimately, I think my, my energy would be dark side, but, you know, everything is of their nature. Uh, I'm just more fascinated with the nocturnal, fascinated with the uh, frightening or with the um, the risque or the scandalous or the, you know, the, the exciting, um, the excitement I have when encountering uh, snakes and spiders in the wild uh, compared to um, others and compared to what I like to think about and what I like to find entertaining definitely feel that for example my uh, major holiday that I associate with Sam Hain is Halloween and it's because of that it's because I like looking at this as a theatric a, thea a theatrical presentation of uh, truth but made a manifest in such outlandish and uh, exciting garments and uh, and uh, traumatic events such as you know that it has to uh, Dis disassociate oneself and one has to find some distance in appreciating um, the, the madness the shared madness that is the creation of the, of this, this version of humanity which I feel is a version of humanity which is uh, more in line with one's inner desires and passions uh, in association with the beyond or with the great beyond or with this idea of um magic or this idea of witchcraft or this idea of uh, spiritual communication or metaphysical manifestation I believe that you know this is who people really are is what they allow themselves to be projected as what they allow themselves to dress up as what, what they truly desire to show in the world you know in these versions of costumes but that's just uh the origin of my shamanic journey ultimately i believe my shamanic journey um it will elucidate every single um version of events for everything there is a season for you know every every season there's a thing um we need to really reset ourselves and understand ourselves as a base human being before we go around uh proclaiming identities and uh aesthetics really we need to understand that these aesthetics are versions of propaganda that society imposes on us and at the same time we impose on ourselves we try you know hopefully we'll manifest who we really are and as a result of using these like mimetic uh, devices and mimetic conversations and uh, when it comes to the ssp when it comes to conspiracy theories I believe certain topics have become mimetic themselves or have become so iconic, so integral to conspiratorial thought that the divide between skeptic and uh, conspiracy theorist is most present by the association with these events and how they are used to define reality and how they are used to define the stance of uh, things, of uh, people. Uh, where, where do people stand? Where do people uh, appear on the radar of uh, of this subject, you know, and this topic of uh, objective thinking? Now, 
ultimately, we all know chemtrails. I'm assuming everyone listening to this is aware of chemtrails, knows what they are, phenomenology, um, the idea that these planes, passenger or military, private or uh, publicly used, are involved in a massive top secret um, geoengineering or chemical weaponry. Uh, deployment operation that's held in top secret under orders of the Illuminati to either create a depopulation effort or to control the weather or to dumb down the population and other things. But ultimately, that these operations are clear and present and they're just uh, hidden through mainstream um, shilling and in control of the elite over the news. Um, Others suggest that this is just the most basic of misobservation of uh, mis misdiagnosis of the conspiracy theorist mind that's become a, a solipsistic uh, argument where they are seeing the you know the action what they, they call contrails and assuming everything else um, because contrails exist and contrails exist in various uh, fashions as seen throughout the aviation world and seen every or daily and studied uh, widely so there's a lot of information then you go get your uh, difference between skeptics who use information skeptics who use citations not their direct observations and those that use their direct observations and not the uh, authorities data not the authorities fact sheet not the authorities answer for these phenomenons so um the same will be appropriate to the SSP, no doubt, in time, is that uh, while people who may wit- uh, may claim witness to it, people may claim involvement and activity and uh, have proof, both video and documentation of it, that as long as the authorities continue to deny and continue to provide explanations, that the majority of the world will remain skeptical or ignoring the experience and direct uh Attempts at communicating and relaying and witnessing, uh, testifying for the reality of the SSP, there will always be more skeptics uh, ready and willing to address this as a wild conspiracy theory of um, delusions of grandeur and of um, flights of imagination or hypnotic, uh, hypnotically controlled or lucid, remembered lucid dreams. Um, basically though we need to rely on our own observations we need to rely on the truth that we know that we've seen that we experience and we need to create just like the chemtrail uh, people do a community uh, that is pursuant to relevant data and trying to legitimize this research across every field both um, historical scientific uh, analytical providing data uh, various uh, media and um, find and, and produce um, as many witnesses and experiencers, survivors as possible. And that'll be the only way that we can as SSP survivors and experiencers um, uh, really prove to people, really show people that this is real and that the phenomenology is universal that the uh, statistics are more frequent and more widespread than accepted than than commonly accepted and that there is proof legitimate proof in the u.s military's uh, records 
uh, their budget and their programs to suggest that these operations are uh, generations old and continuous and um, operate with near invulnerability to criticism are um, budget issues. Basically, we need to uh, start also using um, scientific methodology to collect uh, proof of implants, proof of uh, RH negative blood uh, being a commonality or a root or a factor, a key factor. We need to come up with the key factors and create this uh, key factor type data sheet. We need to um, create videos of uh, of sites such as military bases, such as uh, tunnels, systems, underground railways, um, mysterious lights, planes, uh, gang stalking, harassment activities, black helicopter activities, uh, anything really. We need to start uh, becoming more proactive instead of reactive in the situation and we need to do as much legwork and as heavily evolved uh, investigation into this phenomenon that we are very very uh, alarmed about and and uh, shocked that the the permission it's so permitted it's so accepted it's so uh, ignored because there is such a lack of this community, this this data present, this um, ability to basically prove through a playlist of videos, or through a panel of experts, or through um, um, a consistency of message, or even a literacy in um, related documentation, data, theories, manifestos, etc., of leading figures in the Seeker Space Program, leading figures in the research of the SSP, of the Super Soldier Program, of the Secret Space Program, as well as um, those that can successfully tie uh, high-level ranking elite uh, military industrialists, uh, you know, aka Illuminati members, with uh, developments in uh, modern-day military hardware design, modern-day military hardware planning, uh, what you would call "quote unquote" big uh, scientific research and development programs, um, major private industrialization programs of outer space uh, resources, and um, off-world colonization efforts, as well as really uh, delve into the international uh, scale of the off-world industry, off-world travel, off-world uh, communication to. Um, to really, like, I don't know, uh, get this, get this information not only as well understood by yourself, as well as by the individual, uh, for efforts into understanding their level of their involvement in the SSP, but also to prove and to, um, to keep this information, to, like, safeguard it, because, you know, it's subject to a lot of misinformation subject to a lot of this, uh, defamatory uh, speech as well as uh, skeptical censor and uh, public erasure uh, these things do not exist on Wikipedia I, I was going to do this video originally on chemtrails on um, the undeniability of geoengineering and how they're related to uh, ultimately military aims at 
developing and pioneering off-world power or to uh, eventually establish a class one type civilization which is a civilization that can totally dominate and control its world the planet that it exists on in the pursuit of energy and i was going to use uh, the U.S. Navy's attempts and uh, plans to build a giant solar react, uh, reflector uh, in an effort to uh, collect solar energy off-world and beam it wirelessly to the Earth using a relayed set of interconnected satellites, mirrored uh, platform surfaces of incredible size as well as high-powered microwave lasers, uh, microwave beams known as masers, and that this was going to be both the solution to our, you know, energy needs, as well as a, uh, it's already a pre-existing concept, it's a workable proof of concept that has been designed on other colonies off-world, as well as uh, on the fleets of Solar Warden themselves as a way of them fueling solar workers, them powering functions of their ships and vessels, and as a way of uh, powering their off-world colonies, such as space stations, such as moon colonies, such as the colonies on Mars. Um, and there was also, I, I started doing the research, and there was more uh, information present on the idea of 3D uh, printing and construction of off uh you know, construction with off-world robotics and et cetera, off-world industrial and uh, capabilities such as foreign space agencies and the ICC. Um, but ultimately, this this is just kind of a rabbit hole. It's just a it's just one of those things where it becomes. Yes, they are geoengineering. Yes, they are controlling the weather. Yes, they are able to. Uh, operate these chemtrail operations uh, completely in our face and at the same time um, not have a shred of solid evidence and have their armies of paid higher academic um, spokesmen just deny, deny, deny at the same time uh, reference and uh, plan desired high altitude geoengineering efforts um, solar radiation mitigation efforts uh, terraforming efforts, climate control efforts, using the same methodologies they are accused of using currently, um, but set them as goals for the next decade, and yet somehow that's a completely appropriate and um, legitimate version of reality, whereas presuming they are already currently doing so, and have been doing so for the last 30 years, since the mid-1990s, um, is insanity and is a dangerous uh, thought crime to to pursue that and nearly almost 100% of legitimate academics and uh, meteorologists and researchers uh, hold that theory in contempt and hold that theory and uh, possibility as very slim to non-existent that the government would be able to uh, conduct such efforts when they have already expressed um, those, e those desires for to do those efforts, as well as create the technology to undertake those efforts, as well as um, secure patents in the research and development of uh, the technologies necessary to do so, um, uh, and demonstrate the control of 
the media well uh, to a degree that's well enough to you know cover and obscure these these occurrences while at the same time openly presenting them and openly discussing them um and it's it's absurd to me really how anyone would need any kind of uh, convincing or any kind of uh, persuasion just just to look up in the sky and see that the chemtrails being left by planes are not consistent with natural phenomenon and they're definitely um, organized uh, attempts at either geoengineering or mitigating the solar radiation or obscuring the sky uh, simply to obscure the sky like act as a smoke screen for example to hide uh, any occurrences off world or in the higher atmosphere that we were not ready to explain or were not ready to embrace but then you know I, I think about these things and it's, it's obvious to me it's obvious to a lot of people but I think that's what this 3D reality matrix wants um, I used to have an employer uh, he was a great uh, guy he was very nice uh, good to see humor uh, very honorable uh, individual uh, fundamentalist Christian just like myself so we got along great but he was uh, always pointing out the chemtrailing efforts he was always pointing out the chemtrails in the atmosphere and always bemoaning and uh, the kind of the fate we all shared to um, fall into sickness and have our health uh, leached away and have the skies uh, changed without our consent, etc., etc. And I understand where those complaints are coming from, but I think that that's also the purpose of the chemtrail. The chemtrail has a higher function than just the physical. It has a higher purpose than just the physical uh, change and, and control and domination of this planet's uh, environment or atmosphere. It's um, a part of a mosaic war strategy. It's part of a new age uh, form of warfare of the of the powers to be, the Orion Draco Authority. I guess they call it the Orion Authority. Um, and, and Atlantis Rising to keep us not only in the dark, but to keep us uh, at each other's throats, to keep us constantly using our energies, running in hamster wheels of uh, conspiracy theories and, and you know, um, uh, efforts to kind of like uh, shout ourselves hoarse uh, to explain our, our ideas or our theories. When it's when it's obvious, when it doesn't need an argument. It's beyond it's it's beyond a doubt. It's so it, you know incontrovertibly true that something is occurring. But the nature of mankind is to ceaselessly argue over what is occurring. To ceaselessly argue with itself over uh, what is exactly happening. What is exactly the moment presenting itself. What is exactly uh, the choice to be made or what it was exactly the fork in the road um, and that's what these chemtrails are for they're to show you that this world is not what it seems it's to show you that you are um, inferior to the world or you are inferior to the authority inferior to the elites because they can literally control the sky 
and um, control what your day is like, whereas you can only wonder why they are doing it or, or wonder how to hide yourself from it or how to defend yourself from it, not to simply... It's beyond, um, you know, a choice to ignore it. Ignore it. It's a form of harassment itself. It's a form of uh, propaganda itself. Is to show that uh, they can achieve this feat. They can achieve this phenomenon of um, cloud seeding, of, of controlling the weather, of controlling uh, your environment, of controlling your life um, to that most fundamental of degrees, whether or not sun shines on you or not. Um, it's it's a way for them to get your energy spent and focused on them as they feed off your louche and to fulfill their other various myriad uh, numerous um, subplots and plans and conspiracies and uh, agendas such as Project Bluebeam such as uh, depopulation, such as the spread of disease, uh, chemical warfare, spread of cancers, the spread of uh, wildfire causing uh, heavy metals, um, you know, and same thing with the vaccine program, same thing with the uh, nuclear radiation uh, disasters such as Fukushima and Chernobyl. These are obviously created to destroy our faith in our protector and destroy our faith in our creator because like my old employer he could have he was a great man he was a great christian a very honorable person very moral person very ethical person but at the same time if you're fearful of chemtrails you're not you don't have the confidence you have you need in your protector god you don't need the confidence you need in your creator god and if it's an us versus them system you're given whenever you create an us versus this system you give all the power to them and you uh keep none of the power for yourself because you are admitting that you are ultimately you currently defenseless against them and you're trying to create and maintain the measures that keep them from destroying and consuming you and overtaking you and conquering you. And so basically you have to see that this uh, chemtrail is a part of a mosaic warfare strategy, one that ultimately is trying to destroy the inner light and destroy the light being, the soul, the chi, the Buddha in you, the rebel energy in you, the Krishna in you. Um, even uh, you should call it the Luciferian spirit in you, the fire in you, the light in you, and that is trying to uh, replace it, like ultimately replace it with clouds, with their chemical trail, with their chemical creation. And um, this is an alien agenda. This is not, is it the, if you don't look at men and think what wickedness they have in their hearts to do this to their own species, this is clearly... You know, it's performed by man, but it's clearly in conjunction with other dark side elements in the universe. Either Astra High Command, either Orion Draco, either the Greys uh, ultimately came up with it. But this is something that we are running with, we are joining with, because we are attracted to that dark side element. We are attracted to that uh, intoxication of um, power and... Um, a mystery and secrecy uh, the dark side promises uh, the lust for ever more uh, powerful highs ever more powerful adrenaline rushes and uh, 
you know, the feeding and harnessing of Lush and the feeding and harnessing of all that, that pain and misery and fear and strife. Um, like I said, that's exactly what the chemtrails are for. It's to make you want to join the dark side. It's to make you want to, it's make you lose that light inside with fear. And because fear breeds anger, anger breeds hate. Hate brings violence and violence to the dark side. You know, it's ultimately why all these celebrities are wearing these masks. All these people are pushing this mask agenda, this, this idea of I can't breathe. It's to create that feeling of suffocation, to create that stress and trauma, and to create that um, disorder in you to make you doubtful of the very thing that is so essential to your existence that's automatic as a function breathing and it's such a ubiquitous um, element to your life oxygen that you don't even you don't even consider it in your day-to-day life you don't wake up and read the oxygen percentage rates of the atmosphere of your locality because you don't even think about the idea of there being too little oxygen in the world. I believe there's 19 or 17% of oxygen in the world right now in our atmosphere. And if it drops down to 15%, uh, the, the brain death starts occurring. Uh, same thing with climbing a very high altitude uh, mountaintop. Uh, the oxygen levels are too low. Uh, I think this would be a perfect time to uh, imagine the chemtrails have something to do with oxidation levels because they are trying to get people brain dead. They're trying to kill people's minds, to kill their intellect, to kill their cunning with the pollution, with the smog, with the infiltration of that. They're also trying to just cut off your access to sunlight. They're trying to cut off your access to solar energy. And ultimately, they want you just to focus on yourself as a human being, focus on your carnal lust, focus on your carnal desires, your desires for life and for sex and for food and pleasure and escape because they don't want you to face responsibilities. They don't want you to face the power you really have inside you to be more than human, be more human than human, to to finally break up this uh, abusive relationship you have with the matrix and to finally see that you're beautiful for who you really are not for what you do and not for what happens to you this has been rumors of war 1987 thank you very much iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend please fight this new drug fight the new fetishism of fear of paranoia of submission Uh, be kind to yourself be kind to others. Follow the golden rule. Thank you very much for liking and subscribing. Ultimately, remember that people are people. And that this world is absurd. as a matrix created to control us by causing us to react. By the same time keeping us further and further apart from each other. To the point that communication and identification with the other is now going to be seen as, a, as such a sterilized and robotic experience that that true connection is not going to be available for the masses. It's going to become an extremely rare commodity. It's going to become an extremely rare resource. It's going to become 
something that's more valuable than gold, more valuable than than life on earth is the chance to be young and to be attractive and to be happy and to be satisfied with oneself and to be um, desirable to others is ultimately going to be the minority. It's ultimately going to be the rarity. It's going to be the, it's going to be the, it's going to be the magical sought after um, witchcraft of the future is going to be the ability to excite and the ability to captivate the ability to enchant the self and the other the great capital O other we need to start focusing on ourselves rather than focusing on the fear they give us to focus on you brave guys courage Dreamland. This is Rumors of War 1987. Thank you very much for your viewership. Please like, subscribe, and consider supporting on any of the links in the description box below. Thank you very much for taking this ride with me and motivating me and supporting me as I continue to deliver awesome truths relating to the SSP, the SSP experience, my labs, the perspective of the real covered up above top secret above majestic information thank you very much um, for trying to decipher my messages for listening to me as I as I speak on and on about different subjects and continue to try to improve and uh, and master the video content creation um, um, it's called medium um Thank you very much for uh, helping me develop a community and helping me uh, develop uh, even more insights, uh, inspiring me to follow certain rabbit holes of deduction and investigate uh, certain different aspects of this world that I hadn't otherwise considered. Um, it's my mission, is my effort to try to continue to deliver more obscure and um, really kind of eye-opening connections to the secret space program and history and to the conspiracy mainstream and to a lot of the, you know, point out a lot of the disinformation, point out a lot of the uh, false connection and point out a lot of the misdirection that this information agencies, organizations both alphabet federal government agencies as well as private aristocratic occultists uh, funding and uh, becoming quite tech savvy in their pursuits of uh, funding and, and, and providing this disinformation uh, counterintelligence activities such as meme warfare, such as cyber warfare, such as uh, planting of agents and the uh, manipulation of useful idiots, the uh, proliferation and uh, propagation of religious and esoteric beliefs that uh, they are 
uh, mindful of and that they are uh, helping promote to, you know, involved in their metaphysical attacks, their metaphysical agenda, uh, their efforts into controlling and creating a population psyche, our society psyche, in ways that are perverse and distracted and uh, short-sighted in the impact as well as uh, dehumanizing and and uh, otherwise demoralizing in their pursuits as well as in keeping secret the advancements of our technological uh, prowess of our discoveries and of our uh, hardware uh, that would otherwise be used for peaceful uh, means to better human existence to better the life experience of the uh, human being and to better our um, better defend ourselves in mass instead of selling ourselves out and using it to further divide between the ruling class the breakaway civilization and us uh, regarded as free range but ultimately uh, unempowered, disenfranchised uh, marginalized uh, members of the human species we're not in a, the authoritative elite but we are freed from the burden of knowledge, free from the burden of responsibility and ultimately uh, subject to considered a uh, goyim and uh, and no more than sheep or cattle to be added to a quota and to be treated accordingly as um, you know our uh, celestial and uh, astral masters have deemed uh, merciful and beneficial uh, to us depending on our karmic estate um, this video though and I think is going to be very eye-opening. It's going to be discussing the realities of UFOs, the realities of spaceships, the realities of miraculous beyond the laws of physics, uh, capab uh, with capabilities beyond the laws of physics, with the abilities to reach hypersonic speeds and to travel uh, almost continuously on uh, electric, uh, electrically controlled uh, gravity wells as well as uh, cloaking themselves plasma generated um, fog and uh, using the um, hybridization and synthesization of uh, the synergies of uh, alien provided technology alien developed technology and recovered alien technology from crashes and from past battles as well as through uh, deals with other intelligences and uh, most of this has been uh, covered up by both the U.S. military, militaries of the world belonging to the SSP um, projects, as well as um, agencies such as the Vatican, the Men in Black, and industrial leaders making up the ICC and the Earth Alliance in its various uh, forms. Um, most of it is to keep a sense of national security, to keep uh, the control and the power in the hands of the technological elite, the technocrats. Uh, a second aspect of keeping this secret is because it's a very fearsome uh, revelation to understand that our species is at war or there are hostile entities that are at war with every species operating not only in our orbits but operating literally in our backyard owning territory owning bases owning spaceports on earth on earth's surface as well as uh harvesting humanity for various uh nefarious reasons um 
but I believe that UFOs that we are seeing in the sky, UFOs we are seeing in the SSP and the Solar Warden are more man-made than they are alien hybrids. And I believe that there is a hybridization technology. It relies on computers and it relies on the ability to create microscopic and wireless technologies, uh, nanotechnologies, uh, particularly the uh, acquirement of the black goo and synthetic fluid, this, uh, this uh, self-programming matter. Uh, technology as well as the ability to communicate at faster than light speeds across distances um, for, for you know military reasons so to create uh, you know uh, encrypted um, secure dependable faster than light communication is uh, probably the priority of a, a uh, procurement during the SSP and these uh, off-world activities or reliances with alien species. Our species has created some fantastic uh, feats of engineering and technological um, achievement, uh, breakthroughs such as wingless travel, and we have done so since the Great Reset. What we are allowed to understand, what we are allowed to view in terms of our accomplishments, in terms of our abilities, in terms of our avionic capabilities, is a highly regulated, highly guarded uh, affair, it's heavily censored by the United States Air Force and by the technocrats of these major skunk work companies and, and businesses. And given ultimately the the false uh, lead that these achievements are almost impossible and that they require a massive amount of money and uh, material and space to keep secret in reality extremely experimental extremely um, advanced uh, mind-blowing feats of anti-gravity wingless flight uh, controllable like personal jetpack type transportation hoverboards uh, everything from troop transports that are larger than any known uh, vehicle to uh, vehicles that can go from multiple forms of travel from land base to air to uh, underwater and make these like transformations these transphibian uh, craft craft that can travel hypersonically trap craft that can uh, displace inertia allowing for for example like seat beltless travel at high G's uh, without any kind of negative physical effect because the uh, interiors are unaffected by uh, things like gravity or things like inertia. Um, a VTOL craft from the 1940s onward have been a regularity in the United States military as well as the leading military's uh, armaments and it was itself only disclosed through the advent of the Harrier uh, for the British Navy. At the same time, um, we had, at this time, completely perfected flying saucer technology, completely uh, mastered um, red mercury and uh, electromagnetic high-voltage capacitors. Basically, the craft becomes a flying capacitor itself, um, 
and is able to generate gravity wells. Uh, this is allowing these platforms, these flying platforms, to not be made of any extraordinary materials besides the power generator and the uh, structure itself. So it minimizes weight, allowing the creation of rather massive, very physically large uh, and capable of transporting a lot of weight, a lot of uh, material, a lot of personnel, a lot of staff, uh, i.e. personalized motherships, the, the creation of mother motherships, the creation of ships that can act as carriers and, uh, you know, flying carriers, like how the Boeing 747 was originally designed is to act like a flying carrier. Um, the U.S. Navy has gone on a complete uh, evolution of technology, including supersonic uh, waterborne uh, planes that can operate and take off and land on uh, smooth surfaces of the water. And they operate off the equator. They operate off uh, tropical uh, island chains in Diego Garcia. Uh, the largest rocket in the world, so rocket scales and sizes uh, many, many magnitude larger than the Saturn V, uh, operating from um, deep oceanic uh, uh, secure areas. Uh, nations such as Germany, West Germany, created um, airliner-sized aircraft that were completely VTOL that could act like personalized, uh, like, I mean, that, that would be revolutionary today to think about transport VTOL aircraft operating in inner cities and urbanized uh, environments um, with a minimalized uh, landing, landing zone, landing pad. Um, the scale of airplanes is rather underestimated and misunderstood when considering the sheer amount of people and troop uh, and uh, I mean uh, cargo and uh, weight that how these planes were originally designed for and how early in the game of aviation that they were created and uh, these concepts mastered uh, basically what this means is that these resources of hypersonic travel, the resources of anti-gravity, of inertial disbursement of gravity welds, is not uh, completely regulated to bomber aircraft or uh, you know heavy ordnance aircraft or attack aircraft or, or uh, aircraft with a specific military um, operation focus. A lot of them are um, civilian transports. A lot of them are. Um, service personnel transportation devices the TR-3B isn't a strict reconnaissance or uh, high orbit attack craft it is a troop transport craft it is a cargo transporting craft able to uh, cross vast distances extremely quickly without any uh, real uh, negative effect or uh, physical training required or physical conditioning required on the matter of the pilots and the staff and the, and the, the crew um, this this is can ferry the unwary um, you know completely out of the continent uh, inter across international lines across oceans within a few uh, seconds and um, it would be as easy as getting on and off of a bus it might even be less stressful than the initial takeoff of a civilian um, airliner 
uh, given that there is much more confidence in its construction and much more confidence in the skill of the pilot. Um, concept aircraft uh, are easily recognized in their mainstream counterparts, their mainstream creations, but these prototypes are effective test beds uh, for various electronics and various technologies as well as various uh, scalable um, uh, designs and, and to mastery of these uh, proof, proof of concept type uh, designs. Um, but just because the visible test bed, the visible test platform is uh, promoted you know, as source by by its creator doesn't mean that this design wasn't then adopted or sold to other various testing agencies, private industries, uh, other militaries, uh, you know, legally sold voluntarily so that they made further research and they made further operations and they made further the use of our creation, our uh, uh, fabrication of these prototypes into, into scalable uh, deliverable aircraft or they could be built off world or they could be um, intentionally designed you know for other covert purposes other than that which is openly discussed in terms of aviation warfare uh, capabilities and possibilities um, maybe there are other even more top secret than just reconnaissance or uh, strategic bombing uh, cap uh, capacities and capabilities uh, present in these uh, starships, these off-orbit, these off-world uh, capable space planes that we are that we are designing and disguising as uh, you know X planes, and, and uh, one has to look at the con the nature of ultra cars, high concept cars, uh, supercars sports cars, the manufacturing uh, capabilities and care, as well as the implementation of technology and the control of public knowledge in regards to the controlling of a market or the controlling of an image of an industry, um, as well as the, the nature of for-profit um, for-profit um, uh, company management, as well as the the you know exchange between intellectual concept and uh, commercial commercialized and commercializable uh, product. Um, these supercars are absolutely beyond belief when it comes to understanding the traditional and the everyday. Um, standards and and it, like of cars, of vehicles, of, of um, you know what you would find in any parking lot, what you find on the street, what you find as a affordable uh, consumer product is generations behind these concept cars. These concept cars are generations ahead of whatever is available and and popular in modern society. Um, they use AI. They have uh, touchscreen interfaces, completely touchscreen interfaces. Uh, some have no uh, uh, steering wheel. Um, some are completely battery powered, hydrogen uh, battery powered. Some um, have carbon fiber bodies that can change and adapt due to the presence of uh, uh, 
you know, approximate the mass, like a person or another vehicle. The windows, for example, in this specific uh, vehicle are made out of a, a, a ruby rose uh, single pane uh, wraparound design, which is absolutely uh, out of this world when it comes to the ideas of what like windshields are and what they can be, as well as its door being a single uh, moving uh, shell design compared to the you know open sideways uh, doors of a regular vehicle and even though it's easily recognizable as a vehicle if in the same way a ufo is equally recognizable as a flying object as a plane imagine going from a model t or the cars they had in the 40s and encountering one of these hyper cars in a garage uh or an ancient ruin site or um having just recently crashed into the desert and trying to piece together and understand the workings simply because you understand the logic and have existing examples of a, a car, of an automobile. But you're trying to understand the different materials that have been made, the different uh, super electronic components, the different access and interface things, because of the needs and the requirements and the expectations and the specs um the the manufacturing of of by by robotics and not by hand um the implementation of plastics instead of having to rely strictly on uh, wood aluminum metal uh chrome and and um you know textiles just leather um you're using you're you're trying to understand the idea of, uh, for example, magnetically operated seat belts, where yours is a simple mechanical click interface. It would take a few years. Yes, it would take almost a few generations before everyone was able to sync up and come to these and come to uh, proper conclusions. But once you had that information, once you had that technology, you would be able not only to use these night and day differences of your capabilities but you'll be able to improve upon them and make them accepted and thus have that a control thus have that um, ability and that's exactly what we did with when we captured ufos when we got the first ufo in roswell it was akin to uh the wright brothers getting their hands on a you know b2 spirit uh raider a uh stealth bomber a nighthawk or you know a sr-71 blackbird they would understand what it was because they had been working on it and so had been making such long dedicated strides to mastering aviation and aerodynamics and aeronautics but it would be so radically different for purpose and for and by scale and by material. You know, they didn't even have the discovery of uh, titanium at this point, let alone aluminum. So they would be having to work through generations of discovery, light. You know, hundreds of years. Um, traditionally, it would take any kind of craft to have that kind of difference. And, and what I'm asking you is to think about how the Wright brothers would appropriate and repurpose uh, a SR-71 Blackbird and how that would help them create planes and how that would help mankind if the Wright brothers had their hands on SR-71 Blackbird. 
and how think about how mankind today would be different and how much we could benefit and improve if we publicly had our hands on the equivalent of the SR-71 Blackbird today. If we had our hands on SSP, Solar Warden type vehicle technology, both land-based, air-based, and sea-based, and all three of those, uh, you know, like the, the subterranean-based, like interdimensional-based, um, psychically-based, if we had their, our hands on that technology and think about how it would improve our standard of living our concept of luxury, our concept of wealth, our uh, concept of productivity, um, our concept of aesthetic and beauty. And think about how those that are in power, the elite, the Illuminati, the, tech, the tech, uh, uh, technological Illuminati, and the masters of the military, uh, you know, as highest echelons of uh, security clearance, above majestic, uh, the people who live off-world and, and, you know, space colonies and on the surface of the moon and then the Astra High Command. And uh, think about the technologies that they are privileged to, that they have access to, and think about how they know the world is going to change and how they see it changing, because they're going to be controlling that change. They're going to be dripping change from the very top to us on the very bottom over generations, over hundreds of years, because they already have access to it. They know that it's our reward to understand how other planets, how other species, how other uh, intellectual life forms intelligent life forms have created uh, these abilities, created these technologies, created these miracles out of electronics and uh, computer design as well as the you know, laws of uh, aerodynamics and speed and, and strength of material and safety in mind and if we are going to really consider ourselves free, if we're really going to consider ourselves equal, you know, and we have to we have to understand this stuff on a technological level. We have to understand that even if we, and even when we get serious about studying technology, studying scientific endeavor, studying the principles of engineering that we are still, and even if we master it, we're still going to be generations and generations behind those who have the inheritance of this technology already uh, at their fingertips, already everyday knowledge, already, um, you know, um, beyond questioning, it's a priori to them that certain um, abilities, certain physical capabilities, certain uh, technological abilities are, you know, ABC type easy to them, you know, because they've already done the legwork. Imagine having, imagine what we have already done now with a UAV technology, with cell technology, with uh, AI technology. Now imagine how it will be a hundred years from now when that is common knowledge, when that is as old as artillery or as old as landmines or as old as uh, surface uh, blue water naval, naval uh, vessels or as old as submarines. Um, just think about how wild and frightening that future is and how 
wild and frightening the SSP currently is and how unique that that position of power of having knowledge of this technology is and just think about how we could better our species not by um, causing chaos and causing order out of chaos in the surface uh, everyday world that we call society but how we would change things when we were given access to that that our military masters have this has been Rumors of War 1987 thank you very much that that 
has created the entire uh, uh, fabrication of the SSP and the secret space program and all its uh, and all its uh, details and uh, realities of of uh, you know its um, motivations you know for creating this uh, defensive alliance with other intelligent species as well as uh, appropriating and uh, treating the human life the human being as a as a uh, piece as a piece of an ecosystem a integral an interplanetary ecosystem of ever complex uh, food chains but technological issues arose and uh Ultimately, I wasn't able to complete that video, but that inspired um, me to create one on electronic harassment and targeted individuals and, uh, you know, gang stalking and uh, what you would call the uh, attempts of the great uh, satanic system, the great matrix, the great beast system, in opposing and, uh, you know, Destroying our efforts, our uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to defeat us psychologically with uh, bullying or with intimidation tactics or with uh, harassment or intimidation, um, you know, in regards to like uh, potential punishments and ostracizations and sacrifice and hardship. But uh, ultimately, I want you to understand that. While that might be a reality, and why, and, and uh, truth speakers and those engaging in the Great Awakening or great engaging in the uh, awakening of the self or the uh, enlightenment of the self or the attempt at ascending of the self may uh, encounter some kind of difficulties, may encounter some kind of uh, a sacrifice or uh, development of hardship or uh, you know, strife conflict with, uh, you know, society and uh, what might appear to be the manifestation of oppressive agents and agencies and uh, authoritarian uh, prejudice and prosecution and bias. Remember, this is ultimately a you versus you situation. This is a you uh, battling uh, your own and darker nature. Uh, and manifesting it into the uh, world or allowing it to manifest in the world uh, because other forces, other deeper uh, elements of, uh, you know, material fabrication and universal creation, um, quantum manifestation, are uh, picking up on frequencies and vibrations that are internalized and that, are pro that become projected and become interpretations of the many near-infinite uh, myriad uh, possible uh, events to occur on any one timeline. Uh, basically, they are writing your energy, surfing on your energies uh, to create uh, themselves and to create their presence in your life uh, because you are allowing it by giving it your energy, uh, lending it your time, lending it your focus, lending it your uh, obsession and uh, compulsive uh, 
nature are concentrations and so you're creating them and they are creating themselves in your life to become more obvious at the same time more uh, domineering and more uh, traumatizing so that you become locked in this kind of uh, cycle of interpretation of specifics inside a near infinite amount of stimuli and thus you become blinded or become um, negligent or ignorant of other possibilities of uh, interpreting the universe or interpreting your own energy or interpreting your situation uh, regarding uh, you know your spiritual ascension or your vibrational density or your dimensional uh, position you know your quantum superposition or your spiritual uh, uh, point of uh, journey of growth or uh, development but basically uh, to understand this phenomenon uh, let's get into the fact that uh, there is no doubt it's real the only doubt that exists is what exactly it is uh, everyone has different uh, interpretations of it but ultimately it has a very uh, consistent and uh, uniform uh, application but surprisingly it's a very uh, very uh, diverse and varied uh, spectrum of occurrences spectrum of uh, intrusions that can occur it can manifest itself in many different possible uh, incarnations regarding from outright um, harassment by institutions such as local police departments or federal organizations such as the FBI to uh, deep undercover uh, implants of neighbors uh, that would act as civilians and try to infiltrate your your personal life or they could be even uh, undercover agents that assume the roles of uh, uh, family members uh, typically significant others typically uh, romantic partners or they could even infiltrate and uh, assume places in one's life for developmental importance such as authoritative figures such as teachers or uh, certain celebrities that might uh, directly impact your inspiration and your aspirations later on in life for your development of uh, values and morals um, basically is their intelligence agent uh, intelligence uh, I guess you call it like a shadow op uh, type strategy that was perfected and used uh, during the Third Reich uh, by members of the Third Reich, the Gestapo, and the uh, and the SS to uh, engage in counterintelligence and counterrevolutionary actions against the French resistance and the uh, Normandy resistance, you know, the uh, Nor Norwegian resistance and uh, the different uh, different resistances by uh, communist and anarchist uh, type factions inside the Spanish Civil War and the Italian uh, fascist wars. You know, basically as the axis and um, it was co-opted uh, by you know during operation paperclip during the exchange of personnel during the acquirement of uh, personnel as well as the establishment of ex-nazi uh, leadership 
into uh, members uh, into positions of power in West Germany as well as uh, uh, Italy during the 1950s and 60s. Uh, Operation Gladio and other uh, you know false flag uh, extremist operations would become uh, legendary for their kidnapping uh, uh, operations as well as their domestic terrorism abilities. And this was all ultimately uh, perfected in the art of gang stalking, electronic harassment, as well as uh, independent surveillance. So these tactics and these strategies have already been you know, um, spread out, disseminated across a wide variety of private uh, law enforcement, security agencies, private uh, military companies, private or uh, intelligence agencies, uh, rogue intelligence agencies, organized crime outfits, uh, secret brotherhoods, as well as uh, every legitimate uh, government agency that, that would, uh, you know, uh, choose to use them or choose to, uh, to uh, you now antagonize any certain individual that they might choose. But basically, the more that you hear this consistent message across the board of discussion across all forums of uh, communication and especially on the platforms like YouTube and, uh, and uh, 4chan, like other kinds of uh, mass, uh, uh, you know, owned uh, information platforms, you begin to understand that that's what they want you to believe is the true reason for uh, gang stalking is this personalized uh, government Orwellian oppressive uh, methodology that is running uh, rampant inside the United States uh, particularly uh, and specifically to, dis to uh, destroy the sanity and the well-being, the health of uh, so-called uh, truthers or, uh, you know, uh, Christian spiritualists and uh, Identifiers of uh, radical, uh, uh, radical like the right wing or left wing movements. Uh, ultimately, though, that, that neglects the metaphysical and the astral as well as the extraterrestrial explanations of gang stalking, and uh, completely relegates the discussion to one of uh, earthly authority and specifically an us versus them mentality which is what uh, the system thrives on, what the system is hoping to engender. And many vulnerable people on uh, brinks of uh, spiritual awakening, you know, event horizons of um, emotional ascendancy or vibrational um, elevation or even dimensional, uh, you know, uh, improvement, jumping timelines for the, for the better of their own existence. Uh, they want to negate that process by uh, basically trapping you into a state of paranoia, uh, trapping into a state of uh, uh, an us versus them uh, thought loop, you know, a, a tractarian suicide of uh, philosophical um, self-destruction and uh, imprisonment. And they want you to make your own uh, fears and doubts and, um, you know, uh, outward traumas that have been used against you as a forms of abuse to manifest, uh, you know, non-invincible uh, enemies and antagonists for your life um, without actually regarding the fact that one can exist uh, quite, you know, 
beneficially and we can exist quite uh, fruitfully and industriously and quite honestly as long as just one accepts it and one embraces it as part of their existence um, because what makes you human and what makes you an individual um, can easily incorporate this and uh, domesticate it as well as uh, use it as a form of projection of, you know, great uh, universal truths and uh, the powers to be, such as like the Freemasonic or, uh, you know, uh, Talmudic, uh, Kabbalist, uh, Saturn worshippers of Black Cube, uh, Illuminati, who are basically trying to create a grand uh, plan, a grand architect's uh, design for each individual and each person, um, regardless of that person's uh, yeah, abilities or proclivities or, or even uh, intentions or desires, they want to create uh, a uniform uh, servant or uniform um, craftsman to complete and to progress the plan forward uh, in a sustained um, you know, status quo or stasis or equilibrium of te technological existence, whereas the SSP is um, trying to, you know, elevate people, trying to cause an ascendancy, trying to create an awakening. And so all gangstalking is trying to do is trying to uh, regress this development, regress this individual growth by locking, by becoming obvious, by becoming um, uh, something that's uh, obviously meant to, uh, you know, arise, arouse your suspicion and, uh, you know, really identify itself as a threat, really identify itself as a potential danger, so that um, anyone who's becoming awake or anyone whose eyes are opening, quote-unquote, to the manipulations of the government and high technology and um, existing social order and, you know, power structures of wealth and inequality of political uh, persuasions and et cetera, et cetera, is going to target the uh, gang stalkers, is going to target the intelligence agencies uh, responsible for gang stalking and, and identify them as uh, versions of ultimate evil or versions of a complete uh, negativity archetype and not understand that they are developed, that they are ultimately engaged in the you versus you system, a self versus self spiritual uh, battle and the technologies that are becoming uh, utilized in this uh, this battlefield, this, this uh, frontier of uh, paranoia and uh, organized harassment as well as uh, personal biological sabotage, uh, utilizing direct energy and silent weapons uh, for the silent wars ahead um, are becoming more disseminated, more widespread, more available and researched for other applications uh, by private companies. Each, um, each uh, little gain technology or each improvement of these devices, designs, and, uh, and you know, and uh, efficiencies is immediately exploited in the realms of uh, electronic harassment, the realms of intelligence, counterintelligence, and, you know, information uh, gathering, surveillance, uh, basically hacking a person, 
increasing the levels of harassment and physical discomfort and control, thus further trapping that person and limiting their overall potential to uh, improve their existence, improve their uh, quantum position, and improve the lives of others, uh, potentially, uh, you know, down their quantum uh, timeline, down their existence. And uh, the information is not kept uh, secret. The information of human implants and uh, technologies such as uh, directed energy weapons or the, the implementation of 5G, the negative health effects of Wi-Fi, the, um, the discovery of internal implantation uh, programs uh, ranging back from uh, you know the earliest stages of the, the modern era of the nuclear to the creation and uh, promise of commercially available um, you know cerebral augmentation and uh, biohacking uh, type software and, and technology such as the neural lace and such as things like uh, you know um, uh, voluntary uh, implants uh, used to access smart systems such as smart housing and smart uh, communication such as 5G wireless uh, you know personalized algorithm uh, controlled media uh, you know services as well as uh, you know social networking and, and uh, uh, independent uh, economic possibilities and creation of like marketplaces that exist on the virtual reality, the virtual digital realm, like say, uh, better uh, access to uh, the benefits of huge metropolitan areas and thus, you know, the submission to the system, submission to the grid, submission to the, uh, the agenda that they are being fed, that they are being educated in. So the people who are closer to these major urban areas and close to the major status quo agendas are going to be targeted less, but anyone who's tackling real truth or real uh, uh, organizations of authority or real um, issues of disclosure and truth are going to be targeted uh, more and more and more until they themselves uh, lose sight of that which they desire the most and begin to manifest that which they desire the least. And they are going to uh, trap these people instead of uh, achieving their ultimate potential and achieving their best life and achieving their uh, deepest desires and what they feel is their destiny. Imagine how bleak and nihilistic a world is that fears its own government, that fears its own police. Uh, really, we got to use the SSP not to find guilty parties and uh, form vigilante mobs or form uh, pseudo-revolutionary opinions or, or entertain civil war. We have to understand that there is already a side war going on. There's already a civil war against uh, the population, but it's not to destroy us. It's just to uh, subdue us. It's to uh, create in us a spiritual um, pacifism, a submission to the material world and to the material desire uh, the, you know to live the American dream not our own dream, not the universal dream and this goes back uh, 
uh, many, many uh, generations, many civilizations, and many empires have tried to establish this uh, this Babylonian system, this one-world system, this great, uh, you know, idea of uh, unquestionable authority, um, and that our own society is a manifestation of these empires, it's a synthesis of all these different empires, it's a reincarnation of Rome, it's a reincarnation of Babylon, it's the reincarnation of the Aztec Mayan system, the Iroquois nation, uh, it's the Atlantis system, it's, it's the Athens system, and it's always going to be uh, basically the same souls reincarnated generation after generation to do the same uh, symbolic uh, ritualistic actions uh, they call their lives and they call their uh, you know dates with destiny that you know that just fulfill the progression of the plan you know one step forward at a time and it just keeps building that ladder keeps building that tower without ever seeing the truth the truth of the matter the great uh, revealing of the curtain and the great addressing of the issue is that these abilities and these technologies are simple uh, trickle-down technologies handed to our government organizations and to our human masters because they have alliances and deals that they must secure and, uh, and make good on for uh, the insurances of alliances because the true uh, nature of the universe is that you know it is an individualistic thing it's an individual uh, struggle to really picture and put all this together and really uh, you know achieve that enlightenment that you understand that for every human being there is an extraterrestrial uh, element for every human element for every human factor for every human agenda there is the agenda of others. There is other uh, creatures, even on Earth, that are as equal as Earthlings as human beings are. And so, the 3D material universe is weakest when it comes to the human life because we are the strongest when it comes to escaping and mastering the uh, 3D material, the 3D matrix. Uh, we are more mighty than just simple beasts of brawn and jaw and tooth and claw. We are a higher dimensional being. We are a being that lives on the astral realm and that all these uh, false prophets, fear mongers and um, dogmatic, uh, basically demagogues and cult leaders are creating this extremely negative image of the law of attraction of the disempowerment of the of the human soul, the individual soul, uh, because they profit from it. Because the maintaining of this system of authority, the system of status quo, domination of uh, the government on the everyday citizen or the the you know everyday human hero, is uh, um, just the horse of a different color. You know, it's just the the creation of the simulation is the creation of the virtual reality it's the creation of the of the uh, of the pseudo reality 
that is the one-sided perspective that they are feeding us that we are becoming unable to see past, that we are becoming unable to wake up from, that we are becoming unable to master and control and defeat uh, simply through our attraction of the good and uh, they want to break us through our own hysteria. They want to uh, force our hand into taking our own lives and destroying our own reputations and falling victim to extremism, falling victim to paranoia, and falling victim to isolation, and falling uh, victim to um, their distorted uh, versions of our reality. But it's our reality. It's our uh, visions of ourselves. Because like law of attraction states that we don't attract what we want, we attract who we are, we attract what we are. And we are the new inheritors of the kingdom. We are the new uh, masters of this universe. This generation is the new uh, holders of the key to the gates of infinity and that we need to uh, begin to act that way. We need to begin to feel that way. We need to begin to um, isolate uh, the negative and the fear-mongering, the, uh, the ignorant in our own lives, and uh, break away from the Stockholm Syndrome, break away from the need to appease uh, abuse and, uh, and uh, the abuse of nature of uh, keeping the stuff secret, keeping the stuff uh, hidden from us, keeping the stuff away from us. We deserve the truth, we deserve disclosure, we deserve to achieve our uh, apex, to achieve our potential as spiritual beings, uh, to reach enlightenment and to reach ascendancy. And, uh, you know, it's just as simple as that. Don't fall into the trap of paranoia, don't fall into the trap of fear, don't fall into the trap of uh, fearing gang stalking or fearing harassment or fearing censorship. This has been Rumors of War 1987. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you very much. God bless you.